0: Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken, the contractor.
1: I've got a question about a roof. Is it possible for just part of the roof to be peeled off and re-shingled only about a 10-foot section and blended in with the other roof rather than having to do the whole roof again? I have a need for an electrical
2: heater for a basement room, and it's only used several times a year. Could you discuss uh, electrical space heaters?
1: My husband and I are hanging a lighting fixture, and we're trying to take the old fixture down. I was wondering if it's safe to cut the wires with scissors on the electric. Electricity is turned off completely to the room that we're
0: working on. Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor, along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt. You can always be part of our program by reaching Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also
2: email your questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. As we all know, with every new year, we have new model cars. We have new models when it comes to kitchen appliances. And, folks, we even have new colors and new technology that come into our homes every year. And one of the things we're going to see this year are changes in colors. And that doesn't just mean paint, but that also means fabrics, flooring, the hardwoods we use, the cabinets, countertops, everything that involves color in our homes we'll see some new trends. We're seeing that uh, at, at this stage, and as we continue on the next few months, we'll see it continue to pick up. Now, there's a company called Pantone, P-A-N-T-O-N-E, that in the design and the manufacturing and the construction world is a well-respected name worldwide. This is a company that is absolute expert in determining colors and color matches, and they are used by designers, architects, engineers, and paint manufacturers around the world to determine the colors that you and I are going to be buying and installing or using in our homes. They're listening to us, but they're also developing these things to grab our attention. And we talk to people, well-known designers such as Vicki Payne. One of the things we see taking place is that they predict the neutrals will make a major comeback during the next design cycle. Now, we've seen some bright colors in recent years, but they're saying to look out or neutrals. Some of the movements that we're likely to see in colors this year, and I just want to touch on a few of them, is the lighter blues and navy increase in importance. So think about some of these colors and what you like in your home. We'll see leathery brown becomes more of a basic and becomes quite important in our homes. Olive becomes stronger. Purple, though, as a vivid color is still going to be evident as we move through these next several months. And reds are becoming more orange. Now, I want you to pay attention to that by this particular uh, – by Vicki Payne, this particular designer, because you're going to find that not unlike automobiles, that designers, decorators, furniture manufacturers, just like builders, all have slightly different opinions about where the trends are going and what's hot, what we're going to be buying, and it also varies a little bit from region to region, even in appliances – Periodically, we see some new colors released. Uh, As we go into the next few months, GE has announced one of their newest colors, which is slate, for their appliances. Uh, It's not stainless. It's not black. It's slate. So you need to go to your local supply house, and you'll see what slate looks like. They're considering it a new neutral that works well with all of the colors throughout your kitchen. Now, a few months back, I talked a little bit about information that came to us from the Boston Globe and some of the design markets there. And this is where I want to distinguish a little bit of difference between how regions of the country see things. In their release, they were saying that prints, stripes, blues, and yellows are some of the new home decor trends that we'll see throughout the next 12 to 14 months. And they talked about blues was uh, as big in uh, this past year as uh, green. And other people are saying green was big this past year. Blues will be big this year. So just don't be misled is really where I'm going with this. What I want you to understand is be your own boss. If it's something you like, folks, buy it because you're the trendsetter. This is what designers, architects, and engineers are saying we'd like to design, we'd like to see. This is what we think you as consumers are looking for based on feedback and input across the country. But by all means, never be led by someone if you're not happy with the colors and products that are being singled out. In the case of red, remember I mentioned just a moment ago that uh, there were slight shades or change in the red. According to the Boston Globe article, orange was the attention-grabbing shade for the prior year. Now they're saying red is the power color. So, again, depending on who you talk to, you'll see where one is in and one is out. The bottom line is the agreement among most of these that they were staying with similar color trends, though. Let's talk about some trends when it comes to interior finishes for the next several months. As we said, the new neutral uh, is becoming the white, cream, tan, grays, and green. All of these are going to be used more and more by builders, especially in spec homes and in their own track developments, if you will, uh, versus what we may select. So if you don't lean in that direction, you need to let the builder know that. Room lighting has changed drastically in the last few years. We're seeing more and more LED lighting as being the real trend for especially kitchen lighting across the country. And that's in part because... Fluorescent lights, the CFLs, and some others are a little bit on, I guess they're fading a little bit, if you will, no pun intended there. But what we're seeing is the LED lights have just a more vivid light. They're much brighter. They're easier for us to work with, and they're really increasing in popularity. So expect to see more light fixtures using LED lamps. Now, non-traditional wood's, are going to be changing, and people are starting to stay clear of cherry and maple, which has been so common in kitchen cabinets for probably 15 to 30 years out there. But we're now seeing uh, alder, birch, oak, walnut, and bamboo. Yes, I said bamboo are the new norms for cabinetry. It was once bamboo only for flooring, but now we're seeing that in cabinetry. Also, we're seeing something that a lot of you, if you're old enough, might remember this going back some even into the 40s. We saw a little bit of this, but it's coming back in a big way. That's glass backsplashes in our kitchen as opposed to ceramic tile or wall covering or laminate or some other type product. We're seeing glass because there's so much that can be done with that. First, there's no grout. It's easy to clean. It can in, it be installed in a frosted, it can be installed in just the, the clear glass, if you will. If you've got a paint behind it, you've got a mural on the wall, and the glass itself can be back painted. So we're seeing a lot of designers and decorators use glass in solid sheets as backsplash in our kitchen areas. I think by way of a few other things we can expect to see as we go over the next few months are some changes in the hardware within our home kitchen and bathrooms especially we're seeing we've started seeing in the last few months the return of polished chrome Now that's been on the out probably for several years now but the percentage of architects, homeowners and individuals buying and specifying these products has increased in recent months and we expect to see that trim uh, trend to continue. Now polished nickel is also one of the items that's up for use in kitchen percentage wise. So again you don't have to go with what everybody else is buying but we just want you to know where some of these things, Happen to be. And as I said a moment ago, countertops and kitchens are changing a bit as well. When we look at the tops proper, we're seeing that ceramic tile still remains in first place being used in the kitchen area. But natural stone continues in a strong second place, and we continue to see that increasing a little bit month after month. So these are just a few of the highlights of trends we've seen in the last few months and things we expect to see in housing. One last item is housing sizes to continue to decrease a bit year over year, maybe because of the economy, maybe because of smaller lot sizes, maybe because of smaller families, if you will. Maybe because we just don't want to have as much to maintain. But these are the trends nationwide. It will vary depending on where you live. And just because somebody says it's a trend, remember, doesn't mean you can't have your own free spirit and do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, I've never never been one who was... uh... Followed all that much on trends. I tend to go with your particular line of thinking, and that is, if I like it, it's my house. I'm paying for hey, it. Hey, I'm
2: writing the check. Going to get what I want. If you exactly. Want purple
0: and orange walls? Go for it, guys. But, you know, I do find it interesting. You mentioned slate. And more and more of that slate and that natural finish on rock is being incorporated into all
2: sorts of things. We're seeing a lot of natural finishes, even if it's paint, but the earth tones come into play. We've got to take a quick break. We'll continue with more. Don't forget, if you have a question for Ken, reach us at
0: 800 614 5 You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Ken's here every weekend at this time answering questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975 as we go back to the phones. And it's Dan who joins us right now. Hi, Dan. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, yeah, Ken. Hi, Dan. Hi, uh, I'm glad winter's here because I've got some indoor projects.
2: Okay. All Let's... right. Mainly, get, uh, I want to strip all wallpaper. Okay. And get it done, so, and then do some painting. But I want to get it all. What is the easiest way of stripping that paper without, well, you know, the work? If you don't do it right, the work involved. Yeah, well, I tell you, you ask a question that a number of people do. And I have information posted on the website and I'm happy to answer this uh, multiple times because I want people to listen to the fact that it, it is not an easy task. And I noticed you said, what's the easiest way? And if you're, you're like me, we're looking for the quickest and the easiest way to do anything, aren't we? Correct. With, for the least amount of money. And wall covering can be – it's just going to be time-consuming no matter Mm -hmm. how you approach it, but you can create more work for yourself than you're really interested in. And I I assume that's the gist of your question. Correct. How how do I get it off without creating a real mess here? Do you happen to know whether the walls were previously painted or sized before Uh, the wall covering was installed?
0: I'm assuming that they were previously painted, but
2: I don't know. Okay. If the walls were painted – and certainly, if they were sized with a, a material designed to go up prior to the wall covering, mm-hmm. most wall covering should remove should should be removable on a fairly easy basis and you may try a corner this is what i would typically do and we've removed much of it over the years in offices and homes is you find a corner you're going to be working with uh, some water with a with a a sponge obviously and you want to if it's a paper proper you want to go over that paper and get it moist you don't want to spray it with a water hose now you don't okay. want to create damage, but you want it moist because that will tend to soften. And then you can work from the back side. If you can peel this loose with just a wet sponge and a small amount of water behind that, it will loosen that glue if the walls were sized. Now, not just for you, but for others that are listening saying, well, I don't know if they were sized, and you start into that, you will find in many cases that paper has bonded, the wallpaper has bonded to the drywall paper. Mm-hmm. That is a real challenge. And you want to pursue that differently. If that's the case, then the best way we have found to remove that is to purchase a device, and most of your wallpaper stores or paint stores will sell this, that is a roller that uh, basically has a lot. It's like a porcupine. It's got a lot of little... Uh, 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 not prongs, but the pins in it, and you will roll over the wallpaper. It just slightly perforates that, and then there is a solution that you apply over that that penetrates it that softens the glue on the back side, and causes it to separate from the wall board itself. That okay. is more involved. So, you, again, you have two potentials here. One is that you had a good sizing job or there's a good coat of paint behind it and the wall covering is just bonded to that. The glue is all that's holding it in place, and you may more easily – Remove that by using the first method that I talked about. And if the walls were not sized, then you really need to get a solution designed to a release agent. And, again, the paint and wallpaper stores will sell these materials as well as one of these rollers. Perforate the wallpaper. Be sure you don't damage the drywall. Don't put too much pressure on it. And then apply uh, the uh, solution, let it soak, and then start removing it. Either way, you've still got a little bit of a challenge. And I want to tell you, it's not just a homeowner. It's not just me removing this. But for professionals, for painters and wallpaper hangers that are professionals that do it every day, it involves the same amount of time. So there's not really a, a real easy way to deal with this. Are you going to paint the walls once you remove them? Uh, yeah. Um, that, uh, yes, I will. Okay. Yeah. All right. So again, I think it's easier to, to repaint when you need to than stripping wallpaper off yeah it is and and you're right by saying i've got a good winter job because this may take you a little while if your entire house is covered with this i was going to suggest if you for you or others that want to hang new wall covering and change the look of a room you can hang over what's there provided it is bonded properly but if it's releasing and curling up then it's not going to be so good for you but uh, that is an option for others that may want to just put new wall covering up in a room and not have to strip it you in in most cases you can hang over a, a a solidly based wall covering, and it'll be fine. Right, thank you. Thank you for your call. We appreciate, right, appreciate
0: it. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
2: All right, Dan. Sounds like you got some work in front of them. I'll tell you, removing wall covering is always a challenge. I hate doing it. It's always a challenge. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, let's go from uh, Dan, uh, let's see, to an email, and this email comes to us
2: from Derek. He's
0: in Waynesboro, Virginia. What's he need help with?
2: Well, he said, late yesterday, I was raking the last of the leaves from the yard. I might have been a little late, but anyway, he said, my wife was inside with a fire in the wood fireplace. While I was out, I noticed a small amount of smoke coming through the side of my chimney about a foot from the chimney cap. I know this is not normal. Now. Question is, where do I start looking for the problem, and who do I call if I cannot find and repair the problem myself? Well, Derek, it's fortunate for you. You were a little late raking those leaves up out there that you could actually see this, because that could be a serious fire hazard for you. The fact that you or anyone would have smoke coming through the side of a chimney, it's not designed to do that, folks, tells me that there is a crack somewhere inside the the liner To that chimney. Now, it may start out in the smoke shelf where the damper is located. It could easily be within the fire brick or the stone within the firebox itself. You don't know where it is, so it could start at the level of the actual fire or it could be high in the chimney. The bottom line is, I would stop using that immediately. And that's one reason I wanted to get this out right away is that that is not a safe fireplace. Now, the problem may not be insurmountable but it is something that you just can't overcome, but it's one that clearly is unsafe for you at this point. So stop using the fireplace. If you're capable of making an inspection yourself, most of us are not, but if you are, then do that, find the problem, and fix it. But I suggest to you that you call a chimney sweep, a mason, someone that specializes in fireplaces and firebox, let them inspect it. They may put a camera down in it, a mirror, whatever, see where the problem is and take care of it. It could be as simple as replacing perhaps the top liner, pointing up some brickwork, it may be as involved as putting a complete new lining inside that chimney or maybe having to tear out and redo the firebox, any number of things. The bottom line is be safe. This could burn your house down and could cause serious injury or death. Don't want to fool with that. That's not anything to play with. Very good. Uh, You want to take a moment here and talk about ladder safety. You know, there's so many people, thousands of us are injured around their homes each year, according to the Home Safety Council, because we use ladders improperly. So whether you're taking down Christmas decorations or you're cutting limbs or you're removing trash and debris from your roof after a storm, you want to be sure that you're safe as you use your ladder. Check the ladder first for loose screws on the rungs. Most of us never think about that. We take a ladder out, we start climbing. But be sure that ladder is in good working condition. Don't place the ladder on ground that's uneven or very soft because when you climb to the top of it, you're going to wind up on the ground. Stay in the center of the steps when you climb and don't lean too far in either direction. Also, this is probably one of the things I've seen more people do and I've had issues with it on construction sites where we've got OSHA standards. We have to stay after people about. Never step on the top of the ladder or the rung below it. Most ladders will have a warning. Don't stand on this. And you're saying, well, why is it there? It's part of the structural stability of the ladder, and it also gives you a means of bracing yourself when you're on the rung below that. But most all ladders tell you never step on the top one, never step on the very top itself, not just the top rung, and avoid carrying the ladder. Uh, Avoid carrying too much, if you will, up and down that ladder, which all of us try to do from time to time. No, as I say, there are thousands of people hurt each year. And the last item that the Home Safety Council has for us says skip the beer and the cocktails. Drinking before climbing increases the likelihood that you'll lose your balance and fall. And they're saying that about 20% of people that are injured on ladders admit to having a few too many drinks before they get on it. So whatever you're doing around the house, be safe in and around and working with ladders. You can always reach Ken Patterson,
0: Ken the Contractor, at 800 number 2975 or through the website Kenthecontractor dot com. Oh, Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time for this week's edition of One on One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels to make your life
2: better, provide options, and save money. My next guest is Jason Walsh with Masonite. Jason, welcome to today's show. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad you could join us today. Now, I've been in the building business for a long period of time. Masonite is certainly not an uncommon name, and a lot of you may be looking at paneling on the wall that Masonite produced. You may have doors in your home. There may be so many other products, and you don't even recognize that it's their product. What Jason's going to talk to us about today will be the trends, paneling that was in in the 70s, the 60s, that's like hemlines, lapels, ties, they come, they go, they're in, they're out. That's not as common today as it used to be, but there are a lot of new products that are out there that not only you as consumers, but we as builders, architects, and designers are looking at and asking for. Jason, how does Masonite stay up with what's going on in the world and constant change that we see?
1: Well, we uh, we take a, a, an eclectic approach to how we look at design and design trends. Uh, what's going on in the industry? We look at a wide variety of different things. You know, we look at fashion, interior design, car design, uh, jewelry. Uh, it, you know, it's a wide breadth. Car of things, design, absolutely. Wow. Because all of these things go into uh, what drives a consumer's purchasing desire. You know, whether it's subconscious or not. It, that's kind of the first step of understanding exactly what the consumer wants on a design level. The most important, you know, to me, the most fun thing to do is really get out in front of our customers. So uh, we spend a lot of time uh, traveling to, co- to to visit our customers to talk directly to them, because really they're our lifeline to the end consumer. And uh, working with them, uh, we can understand how we couple the customers' uh, desires that we hear from them with these other influencing factors from industries outside of ours to really create a val- create new value in our uh, product designs. Uh, now, really now your
2: customers, to clarify, really are the wholesalers and the people that move your product to the retailers. You're, you're soaking in what they're giving you as feedback from the end user, the retailer, the contractor, the builder.
1: We, we are. We, we have a, a couple of different uh, customers. One is the, the builder or the distributor, and we also have a direct-to-retail uh, customer as well. So the people that we have to understand really is that wide variety of folks.
2: So that's what's kept Masonite fresh for all these years. As trends change, products come and go. You're always on the cutting edge. You always have something new for us to be working with. With that said, we're at the top of another calendar. We're in a new year, home building. Everybody has a degree of optimism about it, seeing that maybe money's a little easier to come by. We're seeing new trends in building, a little more enthusiasm? A,
1: that's a tough question because there's so much that, uh, that's going on. But I'd like to focus really on on three primary areas. Uh, the first is really the strength and the craftsman look. Uh, we're, we've seen the craftsman style transition from something that has been very niche to something that a lot of people really want in their home. So regardless of what style their home might be in, we're seeing Craftsman-type uh, designs being used uh, in those spaces. So uh, for us, we have a new Craftsman-style door and some cra- new Craftsman-style glass. The second... Main trend that we want to focus on is uh, the contemporary and uh, what we call a transitional uh, design. And really that's driven by a younger generation of home buyers. The, the contemporary style is much warmer, it's inviting, and it's also expressive of what the homeowner is trying to uh, convey. A uh, contemporary type of product might uh, have straighter lines, more use of geometry, much simpler in its uh, design language. And then the third thing that we uh, are really seeing is building upon the strength of outdoor living spaces. So we've really seen an influx of products that are being used outdoors uh, to create a living space out there. We're really seeing that influence into interior design, so we see things like mixing natural materials with man-made materials, you know, a nice cherry wood with maybe uh, aluminum, brushed aluminum, things of that nature. So really, that outdoor living Theme is carrying forward into the uh, interior design as well.
2: So we're seeing us get away from the more traditional design and construction of homes where outdoor products or outdoor indoor products stay there. You're talking about a blending or mixing of not only products but colors and textures.
1: Absolutely, the colors and textures most importantly.
2: Well, one of the things that we've seen certainly as, as developer and that I've recognized in recent years is people are trying to use all of the space they've purchased. And I encourage them to do that. They're living, spending more time outside. Uh, they're trying to bring the outside in. There's a comfortable feel that they're trying to establish on either side of that barrier wall, if absolutely. you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so Masonites trying to do the same thing with the products that are there. Give them a lot of variety to be able to do those that's things. That's
1: right. Yeah, try to evoke that feeling.
2: In your opinion, what's the main thing that's influencing this? Is it the age group, the buying population there today? Is it technology? Is it green building? It's, Is it, it parts of the country? Is it all of those?
1: <laughs> it's all of those. You know, certainly trends can be regional. Trends are. Uh, especially with the younger home buyers, technology-driven. Uh, these are people that grew up uh, using technology in their lives. But mainly it's demographic. You know, We have two main groups of people with a lot of buying power, the baby boomers and Generation X and Y. And really, Generation X and Y is, is going to overtake baby boomers in remodeling spend. The designs between the two vary a little bit. So baby boomers like a little bit more of a traditional style. Maybe that traditional style is cleaned up, but it's still rooted in tradition. The younger home uh, buyer really wants a more contemporary, modern feel that's reflective of a a busy, social, inexpressive lifestyle.
2: What you've just, just described are my adult married children on one side and me on the other side. So you've got two different groups that you're catering to. And that has to be tough when you're dealing with it at the, the level that you do. Now, for all of the product, where can folks find out more about what you're discussing today, trends in products, and visit those products, but give them the general information of where they need to go to get started?
1: The, the best place to go is our, our website at masonite.com. There you can find you know where you need to go to see them in person. You can build your own door on that website. Also, if you're a user of Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter, at MasoniteDoor. And there you'll find all the latest information on trends, news, ideas. For those of you that are like me sometimes, feel like
2: you're stuck in your ways, at least around home, I have to branch out because I'm in the development business and building business, and I listen to what the consumers are looking for. But if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, Go to masonite.com, take a look at some of the new products that they have out there, the trendy products, and if you want to feel younger, that's part of what I'm hearing him say. If you're in my age bracket and you want to feel a little younger, maybe you want to buy some of the new products that are out there for the younger folks today, and hopefully it'll put a little more lively step in your pace each day. I appreciate you joining Thank us you today, very Jason. Thank you much. I really appreciate it.
0: Buy a few products,
2: and that's going to make you feel younger, huh? Well, it certainly will uh, lighten your wallet a little bit. But, you know, when you, seriously, when you listen to what jason's talking about here in terms of trends they stay up with what we're looking for and they're trying to cater to just about everybody in the market whether it's the the baby boom generation looking at retirement or whether it's the various other younger generations not only in colors and products and textures but also in making things available to us in different parts of the country on a ready basis so that what you find in the new england area may not be what's in stock on the west coast and vice versa so they really are paying attention to us and the only way we don't Have the things available we're looking for is to keep that to ourselves. We need to share this information, not just with Basinite, but with our retail outlets. When we go into a store, if they don't have something we're looking for, Let them know. They hear from enough people, all of a sudden it becomes a stock item in that region. The same with your builder, your architect, your engineers. There's a couple different ways that you can get your questions, too.
0: Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Uh, You can email them to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Or give Ken a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken about your house, inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for this week's uh, segment, In the News. Each week, Ken brings you products, trends, tips, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new
2: construction. Remodeling is a portion of the construction industry. It certainly is not the construction industry, but it is unique in that it is different from new home construction. And looking at trends, sometimes they're a little different between what we see in new home construction versus what we see taking place as we retrofit or remodel our homes. And according to House Logic, they've just published what they see as the upcoming trend for the next year or so and they've consulted with folks from the American Institute of Architects who have also talked with their designers, their architects, and other people that are in the trade looking at what's taking place and what's going to take place when it comes to home remodeling. Now, under this recent survey, as I say, showing upgrades that are functionally, in terms of how we live in our home, is really the trend. They're functionally better than the way they have been. We have been living for maybe some more grandiose things, looking at appearances, but now we're looking at functionality, if you will. We're remodeling with less pretension and more functionality, according to Kermit Baker, who is the chief economist for the American Institute of Architects. Now, based on what he's seeing in the AIA industry, that's American Institute of Architects, and the home design trends, Homeowners and home builders are putting their money into open designs, multifunctional rooms, and homes that age with us. And we talk about this on this show frequently. They're recognizing that. At the same time, we're moving away from these luxury bathrooms, which, Jim, I know you like that million-dollar bathroom that we talk about occasionally. Yeah. But Slate, TVs, and you know, the You shower. may have missed your opportunity because the trend is to move away from that. Oh, not for me, pal. The luxury bathrooms and the luxury kitchen. So I know those are something that's appealing to you. You may be the trendsetter in another year or two in your neighborhood with that. But for this upcoming year, that's what they're saying here for the next 12 to 14 months. So the day of the grandiose master bath as well may have passed by us, and the trend of integrating the kitchen into the family space accelerated during the downturn, and we've talked about that as well, along with multi-use spaces have become very informal. So all the things we've been seeing and talking about over the last few years on the shows now being recognized industry-wide is where we are going as a nation when it comes to how we live in our homes and our home remodeling. We're also seeing some special purpose rooms that the industry is singling out today. That home office that at one point was kind of a luxury for a lot of people, they're working out of their homes today with changes in outsourcing and the way industry hiring people today. Many of you listening to us are sitting at home working saying, I wish I had a home office because I'm on the road doing sales. I'm a consultant. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're not working in a corporate office building, chances are pretty good you're working from home. So that's catching on nationwide, and home remodelers and home builders are dealing with that. That's part of the trends. Also, smaller homes and accessibility, big thing. Everywhere I turn, we're seeing accessibility, which is why we talk about it from time to time. And it's not just about being physically disabled, but it's about how we want to access our home, and it's thinking about living in our homes longer. So this is part of the remodeling industry. This is what they're seeing nationwide, and they're trying to cater to our needs. So if you're getting ready to renovate or put on that room addition – ask your builder, ask your designer where you should be going with this and are there things that maybe you haven't thought about that you should be considering in that remodel, and that's in the news. Well,
0: the two things I can guarantee you. Everything I've seen, nobody wants either a smaller kitchen or a smaller bathroom. You,
2: you can scrimp on other rooms in the house, but bathrooms and kitchens, they want them big. You know, I tend to agree with that, even though this is what the trends, the remodeling group across the country, are seeing and saying now. They may be seeing this partly because of the economy and dollars being a little bit tighter than most of us would like them to be. But the kitchen's not an area I really think we're going to see go backwards in terms of space. We may find more ways to be, I should say, uh, more efficient in our kitchen. We may find more ways to use the kitchen to do other things with where a counter becomes sort of this commonplace for kids doing homework and then you're baking on it later that evening. But what we're not going to see, I don't think, this is my personal opinion, is kitchen size is getting smaller. The bathrooms, though, I think have some room to go because bathrooms grew so large. They were the size of living rooms at some point back in 06, 07, 08. I think we can see some reduction in that and still have these very grand or spacious bathrooms that people have grown accustomed to without breaking the bank. Well, And I think, too, I think, but those are those areas
0: that people, if you're going to splurge, uh, particularly if uh, you're in a situation where the kids are gone, or if you've shared a bathroom with the kids for years, you want kind of that master suite or master bathroom that's got the bells and whistles in it. And when I say bells and whistles, it doesn't mean where you've got to have Italian heated floors. Uh, you Which know, I know you'd like. Yeah, and you know artwork, uh, million-dollar artwork on it, just some of those small little things that makes it a little more enjoyable for but you. But this
2: really is your own personal space, and you're living in this home. As you say, if the kids are grown and gone, you're empty nesters at this stage, and you've lived with it for 15 years, 20 years, raising the kids, and it's time to remodel, sure, think about how you're using that space. And if you have the room to make a small area a little larger, incorporate an old closet into a new bathroom design, go for it. Our phone number, if you've got a question
0: for Ken the Contractor, is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. As Tom joins us right now. Tom, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor.
2: How are you doing? Hi, Tom. How are you? I have a question about it's
0: HVAC question. Okay. I have a uh, a house that has dual
2: system. One for The problem I have is the system for the second floor where the air handler uh and the basis of the leak in the coil in the air handler in the attic. Uh my question being um it's maybe being recommended to me to replace the air handler and possibly leave the outside unit, uh, which uh
0: might be slightly undersized for my house. It's twenty one hundred square foot, second floor,
2: sixteen registers, has a two ton outside unit and a maybe a three-ton inside unit, which I think is interesting uh, by itself. How old is the system? Nine years. Okay, so nine years, you're probably a seer of 10 to 11, maybe, something like that?
0: Yeah, I have the Biller's model. It's a lower-end model, so it's probably
2: 10. Okay. Well, frankly, if... If I had a system that's 9, 10 years old, it's got a lower SEER, a lesser energy efficiency rating, if it were in my budget, I would probably replace both the inside and outside unit for this reason. That Typically, and I've been around doing this for a while, typically with these units, once they reach the age of about 12 years, I start seeing maintenance issues with them. If you get 15 years out of them, you've really gotten your money's worth. But 12, 13, 14 years is about the normal life cycle before you start plowing a bunch of money into it. Rather sure. than put a new component in and be two or three years away from getting into that, and it sounds like they could be mismatched, although I'll tell you why if I have a moment, but uh, that's what I would be looking at. I'd increase my energy efficiency, probably look at a 13, 14, maybe a 15. That by itself will help with some payback on the cost of the equipment with that energy efficiency. But right, right. It's not uncommon for builders or HVAC contractors to install a little larger interior unit versus the outside because of the airflow, the cubic feet per minute that that air handler can move. Okay. And in residential equipment, unlike commercial, commercial has variable speed motors and fans in it and so forth. Residential does not. So even if the capacity of the compressor is fine, maybe they felt they needed to move a little more air, and that's the reason they would bump that inside unit up instead of, say, 1,500 CFM. Now this moves 1,900 CFM just to get a little better airflow. Okay. But the bottom line here is, you're asking me my opinion. I would be looking, if I could afford it right now, to replace both.
0: Okay. All right, that's what I
2: was looking for. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Ken. Bye. Tom, thank you. We appreciate it.
0: That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.